Hello, listener. Um, be warned right now, and 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 this one, this one, I'm I'm I want you to I want you to take this very seriously, and consider it very uh, very hard before you keep listening. What I'm going to talk about may may not be comfortable for for you, um, but I consider it important, and that's why I'm talking about it. So consider this, consider this as as your your heads up. It could it could get serious. I just got back, like like you know, a few minutes ago, from Joker, the new movie. Yeah, and that gives you about an idea of what day it is uh, if you're listening. And uh, boy, I need to unpack it. I I really need to unpack it. So that's what I'm gonna do here uh, for you. And uh, let's get started. Okay. Okay. So, so for starters, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a synopsis of the basic plot of the film. So, um, spoilers, if you want to watch the film, uh, consider this your spoiler warning. This, yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend it just yet. Uh, it would depend on who you are. I'd say if you're going to watch it, it might be worth listening to this first. Um, just so you have an idea of, of the kind of things that, that it will cover. The, the plot of the movie surrounds a man called Arthur Fleck. He's a mentally ill individual who is released from an asylum and, and given a, a therapist to talk to. And this is the beginning of the film. We, we find him um, in therapy. And he talks about the struggles he's going through in his life. Arthur is a clown by trade, and we we get to see him on a job site where he is advertising a, a going out of business sale. the The setting is around like the seedy. It's like a seedy New York kind of feeling in the seventies or sixties, where it's you know life is hard, and you know you've got strip clubs around the corner. You've got you know gangs roaming roaming around. You've got hoodlums doing hoodlum things they one of the group of a group of boys comes along steals steals arthur's sign that he's been waving to to say to market to people and they steal it and hit him with it when he chases after them into an alleyway and then they proceed to beat him uh, as while he's uh, trying to recover from the concussion he uh he then goes through a, a series of difficult events. Um, he, we see his, his experience was with his mother, who is um, very sickly. And he, we get to see his, uh, his solitude, really. I mean, his mother is the only person in his life. Um, we get, get the understanding that she, she raised him alone. And... You know, he doesn't have any other real figures in his life. Um, sort of idolizes a uh, talk show host as his you know, sort of father figure, uh, as best you know, because it's the it's the closest he gets to a a daily interaction with a male male role model. He is uh, approached by a coworker when he's at work, who hears about the story, what happened with him, that he got beat up. The coworker gives him a gun to protect himself, and then uh, on the job that day, he's at a children's hospital, and the uh, the gun pops out in front of the kids, and uh, this leads to his firing. So now he's he's out of a job, um, but the evening. Before he gets fired, before before he comes into work that next day, he's on the subway back home and runs into a bunch of young men, another group group of young men who are uh, returning from some sort of party, clearly inebriated, full of themselves, and uh, they he, he he has a condition. Right, as part of this illness where occasionally he will just break out laughing 
uncontrollably. And he starts doing this on the subway. There's, there's, you know, it's just him and these boys because it's so late at night. And they approach him and they make fun of him. And they, they take his stuff and they throw him down and they start beating him. And he shoots them and kills them. Oh, well, he wounds, kills two of them, wounds a third. And the third person, this is the warning, right? I mean, I told you this was going to be, this was going to be dark. Um, the third person of this, uh, of this trio, right, is hobbling out of the subway and is, is murdered in cold blood on the, the steps as he's trying to escape Arthur, who had at that point lost complete control of his, of his abilities. And, uh, and murdered the man. Um, I mean, at that point, it was no longer self-defense. This was him going after the guy for uh, revenge. And he flees. And then... Uh, then the next morning, he's fired. And he he talks to his therapist and, and realizes that she's not listening as she tells him that they've lost funding and he will no longer be getting any kind of medication. He, uh, over the next set of days, he finds out that uh, first his mother believes that um, one of the wealthy men in the, in the city is, uh, who, who, one of the men who's running for mayor, actually, is his father. Right? Her, his mother tells him that that's his father. He goes to the man's house, even meets the, the, the man's son, and... Uh, interacts with him and, and you know the, the butler of the house is able to you know, the man there is able to, to get him away but he then hunts the man down hunts the, the wealthy man down at a um, a movie later and he uh, confronts him the man says no your mother was actually in an asylum and he then finds out that he well by going to the asylum that this wealthy man is telling the truth that his mother had lied to him that she had abused him as a child and right i told you this was going to be serious and tied him to a radiator and that he was adopted she 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 allowed him to be beaten by her abusive boyfriends and and the like um this is, I'm, I'm still trying to un, un, unpack it all. So, you know, if you're listening at this point, don't, you know, just, it's your own, it's your own fault. This is the one episode I'm going to actively say, <laughs> I'm actively trying to say, hey, don't be afraid to turn this off. Um, but uh, if you listen to the end, I, I'll make it worth your time. So he's now found out this about his mother. And he goes to the hospital where where she is because um, she had suffered a stroke in this period of time. So you know, I feel like I've skipped over that. You know, yeah, he, she she he, she she falls into a, a you know she gets a stroke and is taken to the hospital. He goes confronts the man who he believes is his father. He tells him, "No, your mother is actually mentally ill as well and abusive." And he finds out that that's true when he goes and confronts his mother and uh, suffocates her. And then he he uh, gets a call from a, from the talk show host who he he has that small bond with because he uh, a, a, a the Arthur Arthur wanted to be a stand up comedian right that's what he tried to do once he got fired was he tried to do stand up somebody captured that or the the club where he was working captured that on video and shared it with the talk show host and he he showed a clip of it to to make fun of him because he. He wasn't very good at it. And he, he fell into one of those laughing fits while he was on stage. Um, and the talk show host wants to bring him on so that he can, you know, in case he falls into one of those fits again, and, and then the, the whole audience can laugh at him. And and um, and Arthur agrees. He doesn't he, do, he isn't told the reasoning, but he, he understands what's going on. And he agrees to go on the show because he, he's always wanted to go on the show. And so... Um, when his mother, after his mother dies, a couple of his old co-workers, one of whom, one of whom actually was the one who, who gave him the gun, come over to his house. And um, 
and he murders one of them. The one who gave him the gun, he murders him. And then he uh, he goes to the show. There's There's been a bit of a protest because... A bit of a protest. Huh. Once... Once what he did in the on the subway, the first murders he did, once that was released, um, there were a lot of there was a lot of press about uh, class warfare because the men who he had killed were very wealthy. You now these 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 kids, these boys, were the sons of wealthy men, and um, actually like uh, worked with the 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 wealthy men who he had confronted. Right, it's all connected. It's a movie, um, and. And so the, um, there's, there's a lot of unrest. There's a protest that's set to occur at the, uh, on the day where he, he's going to go on to the show. And the, uh, the, the image that he had been wearing, the makeup he'd been wearing when he, when he did the killing was reported to the police. So the media had been making a big firestorm about, hey, there's a, there's a killer on the loose, who's dressed as a clown. So if you're going to make a big political protest, what do you do? You wear, you wear clown masks. So there's this massive group of, of people who are unhappy with the system, who are going to make a big protest wearing clown masks. And at the same time, this man is going to go on the show and be, be, be mocked, right, by this man who is the closest thing to a father figure to him. And uh, he goes on and... Uh, there was a police officer who had been put in critical condition during the protests, and and they yet he's wearing makeup exactly like what he wore the first time. Says it's oh it's not a political statement, right? He goes on and uh, he gets 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 some laughs laughs at him for a while, and then and then he breaks script. Right, not not in the movie, but but in the in the talk show, right? He's on a talk show and he breaks the the agreed upon arrangement by reve- by by basically being honest with the talk show host and saying, "Yes, I know you you have me on here because you think I'm a freak, because you think that that it'll be funny if you come on and if if I come on and people can laugh at me, then then you'll get good ratings, right?" And and then he confesses the crime on on the show, and and this was this was like the most you know. As I've been processing it uh, on the drive back, this is the most reasonable thing. I'll get into I'll get into why, but um, he confesses on the show, and the guy confronts him. And you know, at this point, the 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 talk show host is stalling for time. He's trying to keep him talking while the police show up. Um, it's not made aware in the film, but you know, reason a reasonable person would indicate like this is what he's doing, right? We we've just got a guy to confess to the crime. One, get good ratings out of it by talking to him, and two. You know, hold him, hold him down, so he doesn't try and run. You know, those are those are very good strategies. So, so he he's talking to him, somewhat antagonistically, basically interrogating him. And uh, eventually, the man, <laughs> how he got it on there, I don't know. Must have been a different time. I mean, they're, they're simulating the '70s, so I'm not surprised. But pulls out a gun and shoots the talk show host in the head. On after which he is placed in custody and on his way to the well frankly to the asylum he's uh he's actually broken out by uh some of the protesters and and hailed as a hero it's uh it's a it's a it's a very dark film the some of the ironic comedy is is actually quite entertaining i i found myself i find myself convicted by the fact that some of the quite a few of the jokes in the film were funny but i know that that's what they were going for so i must commend the 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 people who made the film uh warner brothers produced it and did a fantastic job um what is the man's name Uh, phillips todd phillips directed it and um, f- spectacular performances, one um, by Robert De Niro as the talk show host. Uh, he, did a, he did a very good job and just a supreme job by Joaquin Phoenix. Um, some of you may know him from Gladiator. 
he was the emperor in Gladiator, the the, the weird one, right? Not not the just one, but he was the weird one, um, Caligula or something, in Gladiator, and um, and he did a he did a fantastic job playing this this ill this mentally ill man who um, undergoes this series of events and and makes a, a series of choices about them and slowly it it unravels him into um this mythic figure um who we think of right who who is the namesake of the film right the joker right this is this is the same character as um from the dark knight trilogy not the same not not the exact same like canon right it's not meant to be the same person as Heath ledger's joker but it's the same character of the of the joker in the batman series right the wealthy man um i probably could have just nip, talked about him by name but thomas wayne right father of bruce wayne in the riots that ensued um he he's he is he and his wife are murdered and, and bruce wayne is left fatherless and motherless um right he's left an orphan so so they've tied up some of that other other those other ideas into this into this film um you know the idea that this is gotham you know arkham asylum but but to they they decontextualize it by making it seem like just a by making it seem like a very real environment so now right here's the here's the question for me one um what to think of it and and two how to how to approach it and this is why i mean now here we are 17 minutes in i'm finally going to finally going to get around to, to to exploring it um the first the first thing that really struck me um was the first thing i mentioned i would talk about which is that confession right because it 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 had serious echoes for me of crime and punishment right crime and punishment by fedor dostoevsky is is the is a great is just fantastic work um, Dostoevsky is fantastic, but but his his analysis of that of, of so many ideas within there, right? The 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 nature of of the conscience is the primary uh, power there, but he has some good influences on uh, the role of of the church in 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 everyday life and and community in that the the effect of the modern world on the nature of a society and the um, the backlashes against it given intellectualism. Dostoevsky does a fantastic job in that book. Highly recommend it, right? That's glowing praise. Spoilers for the book. Raskolnikov, who is the, the main character of the book, murders a woman and gets away with it on the whole, but is unable to sustain that facade of innocence that he knows he's putting on. He knows he's hiding it. Um, and it... it it slowly drives him basically crazy to the point where he he realizes he he must confess and he he turns himself in um there's a very strong parallel there with this character of of Joker of Arthur Fleck um because he um he he does a crime and he 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 at first first breath he gets away with it because they're just hunting for a random clown right um there are enough the the detectives who are who are investigating the crime they're they're enough on his trail that he feels suspense right that that maybe they'll sense something maybe they'll maybe they'll figure it out i don't know maybe they know um and so, so the, 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 and that, that is similar to what actually happens in uh, Crime and Punishment. I do not remember the name of the investigator, but um, there is an investigator who, who is on the, the, the trail of the killer. And he kind of confronts Raskolnikov, and, and Raskolnikov's conscience is, is constantly faced by the fact that he thinks that man knows. He thinks that man already knows he's guilty and is just toying with him. Um, and that's one of the things that leads him to confess. Arthur Fleck, however, he, he, he gets his moment of confession, but instead of being a moment of contrition, a moment of, of being 
sorry for it, of, of, of desperately wanting it off of his conscience. Arthur has hardened his heart to the point where he, he no longer believes that what he did was wrong because he's dwelt on it enough. He's heard on it. He's heard about it so many times um, and from so many people. And, and he's, been, he's been praised for it because these men were, were privileged right in in this world they were wealthy they were above everyone else they thought they were better than everyone else so killing them oh that's fine there's a figment of his own imagination who actually tells him oh that's fine they were bad people anyway they were bad people they they didn't deserve it's okay you know that's just a few few less pricks right um and and so he his his conscience hardens to the to because he is because he has he sees everything he goes through and everything he's gone through in his life from you know being in an asylum to living in poverty to not having a father gee i mean seriously the, i love how they how they s- subtly but but clearly showed that that was a, a, a meaningful thing in his life. The absence of a father figure was so critical to this young man's life. Uh, and it, it is one of the things that ultimately drives him to that point. Um, the absence of a father, the, the fact that his mother is sick and she's doted on him and she's always, you know, been, been nice to him and verbally, verbally. Um, to find out, right, well, first to, to you know, to undergo physical and psychological abuse um, at the hands of other people to get to you know lose everything that he's good at to you know have to deal with mental illness to have nobody who actually is listening to him or caring him caring for him uh, or listen you know just just sitting down and listening to the guy talk nobody's there he finds out that the one person in his life the one rock there the one thing that he actually trusted his mother has been lying to him his entire life and is responsible for a lot of the the trauma that he has suppressed in in his in his psyche you know that the, the abuse he suffered at her hands as a young man has has shaped him into this 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 person he is today and he's bitter and angry and at the same time he has something on his conscience Right, so it's almost like like what he what he does. Uh, Raskolnikov, right? Raskolnikov kills out of a a desire to to bring to take justice into his own hands. Right? He looks at the woman who he's going to kill, and he plans how to kill her because he feels like it will be just, and he will be like Napoleon, right? Just doing you know will to power kind of thing. And afterwards, his conscience comes at him. Arthur's actually a, 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 a slight inversion of this, where he um, he doesn't he, he, he initially does it out of self-defense, gets caught up to, to, to kill the, the third man. Um, right I mean he shouldn't have killed the guy in the first place. Yes. But as he's beaten up, he, he, he goes to the gun and he, he, he fires it at his, as his attacker um, and then takes it way too far. But then when his conscience comes, it comes simultaneous to him, um, developing this um, this hatred, right? This this angst. It his idea that what he's done is justified comes with the with the advent of the conscience, and so rather than condemning him, his conscience actually it actually supports him. It actually builds him up because now he believes, oh yes, this this is something I did. This was wrong, but. I believe it's justified. Therefore, who, whatever's telling me this is wrong must be must be bad. And the fact that it keeps bothering him is a reminder that there's something else outside in the world that's telling him what you've done is wrong. That's the way he perceives it. He perceives it as um, he he thinks of himself as justified at telling God what you are that that, that God is wrong, right? That God made a mistake. God made a mistake because he's, he's telling me that these people, I shouldn't have killed them, right? 
it's not enumerated in so many words, but this is the sentiment. And, and everything around him in his world, right? All of the muck and the mire that he has to, to walk through every day, it, uh, it confirms this bias of his that, that what he did was right. The fact that there are people who are, who are you know, silently supporting him or, you know, kind of in whispered conversations, the low lifes, the low lifes of the world, think of him as a hero of, of, of sorts, um, that the media is willing to print things about him, uh, not knowing who he is, but rather to, to sell papers and screen time. You know, talking about a killer clown. Oh, that that it's everyone up in a in a fuss. Everybody's worried about the killer clown. It gets the views. It gets the advertising revenue. It's all about the money, right? Let's talk about let's talk about gun violence, right? Not for an agenda, just because. Well, it's 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 a real problem. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. But maybe the people who look at it will think, hey, maybe if I go kill somebody, I'll get on the news. So, so there's, this, there's this hardening of the conscience that Arthur goes through to the point where when he confesses on live television, on a talk show, he can revel in it. And, and, and he, he can fully embrace the idea that what he's done is right because it's now off his chest. It's now, it's no longer, it's no longer the, um, it's no longer haunting him. As, oh, you, you know about this and no one else knows about it and they're going to find out. No, he's, he's, he's put it out in the air. He's, he's opened this up to the, west, to the rest of the world. And in doing so, it's no longer on his conscience. And he's fully embraced this, this transformation. Uh, it's really a, a, a haunting, haunting sort of thing. Um, it's, it's also, um, because it's a film, right? Because it's not real, it's... it's um, almost, almost funny, which is the, which is the beauty of the film that that it, because it it presents a character who is just who goes through all of this in a it, by trying and tries to do so in as realistic and relatable a way as possible. You know, really, really effectively trying to show the 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 true depravity of man. Right, how far we can go, and how 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 much does it take to get us there? Right, this is this is some of the mythos of the of those Joker. Right, it's the 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 idea is one bad day. Right, all it takes is one bad day, bad day to turn a good man into a monster. There's a lot of Joker stories that that revolve around this. Um, some of the most famous ones, in fact, um, revolve around this idea. And this film draws off of that. Um, and also draws off of that that idea of, of crime and punishment. And I, I really, I really thought that was well done, but also convicting, uh, very convicting, as as it shows. You know, what it asks: What is the nature of honesty? Is the nature of your honesty of your confession? Is it what I have done is wrong, and I want to 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 not do it, or is it I acknowledge what I've done, and you can no longer hold it over my head? Because I I don't think it's wrong, and that's why I'm admitting it. That that is something that you can't that you can tell you, you can sort of tell, but but it for me at least that's me that that forces me to say well what are the limits of honesty, or not what are the limits of honesty? What is the what is the heart behind honesty? Right, being honest is not sufficient. It's a good thing to do, but but you must have the right intentions. Okay. Um, there was another. There was another very interesting point um, that that I haven't expounded on before yet, but um, it occurs toward the end of the film. That while he's on this this talk show, and after he's confessed to his crime, the host grills him, and he responds clearly, concisely. This man who who for a long time had been kind of a you know quiet and, and, and reserved and very, very unsure of himself, instantly comes out of his shell. And 
there's it 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 only makes sense frankly it only makes sense because he he finally feels comfortable sharing the way he sees the world he finally feels comfortable talking about the his 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 feeling his what the way what he's seeing his beliefs his ideas because every single barrier between him and sharing it has been erased. And what's worse, huh, what's worse is that the things that he sees are true. That there is that that you know the people in in those positions of power, right, that that Mr. Wayne doesn't care about him, doesn't like him, thinks he's a clown, thinks that people of his nature are clowns. Um, doesn't respect him. That the that the host himself is only using him as a as a pawn to 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 get good ratings and good views. Is just trying to make fun of him. That he he has no real real future that he could really see in the long term, um, and that uh, while things are bad, ultimately you know they could. They can get a lot worse, but they'll get worse for him first, right? That 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 he'll suffer the the front of that blow if change comes uh, before somebody like Wayne does, and, and and it'll hit him hardest because he's on the bottom of the food chain. These are these are real problems that he's diagnosing. It's just his 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 solution is awful. It's immoral, but it completely fits within what he has been taught to believe and his own sinful human nature. Uh, and there's two ideas that, that, that come out of this for me. One is a lot of people who are crazy actually know what they're doing. A lot of people who, are, who we look at as mad right, or who commit atrocities know exactly what they're doing and can articulate it. And that, that is almost a, a greater indictment than the actual action. It's the fact that people, the fact that people who commit these atrocities, for example, I must bring up the boogeyman, right? The man from Christchurch in New Zealand who went to a mosque, who, uh, to, I think two mosques, a mosque, <laughs> no, who went to mosques and, and shot at Muslims, released a manifesto online and effectively said, um, here's why I'm doing this. Here's the evidence behind it. And I recognize that I will fail and I will be lambasted in the media and my name's going to be put everywhere and, and you're not going to be allowed to talk about it. And they're going to try and push to take people's right, gun rights away because I used a gun. I'm doing that all deliberately. I've thought through this and I'm making this decision because of it. In other words, he looked at the logical chain of events of what would happen after he did this and he did it because he knew that would happen. In order to trigger it, he acted. Um, and that, that's damning. That's very damning because, well, one, that would mean that he believed the greatest way to enact political change is to, to commit this atrocity. Okay, sure. That's bad. That's, that's very bad. It also means that he is highly intelligent, highly competent, very determined, um, and and that people, it seems to me, that people have not refuted his ideology to him in a way that he understands. That nobody's actually sat down and talked to him with words he comprehends and provided the counter-argument to his his viewpoints and as such as such he had no one to tell him hey what you're doing is wrong and even if you're going to trigger all these events that's still bad and here's why nobody did that or if they did they failed and you know if they, if that's what if that's what happened okay but in my mind it's you know, especially from, from hearing from uh, you know, of other cases of the loner, right? 
the lone gunman or the guy, the, 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 the outcast, the social outcast who goes through this, right? There is a language that they speak that is not being heard. There are, there's a way that they see the world that's not being expressed or understood. Maybe it, maybe it is being expressed, but, they, but people aren't understanding it, right? How much of this is fatherlessness? I don't know. I would say a significant portion. Uh, I'd have to look at the Christchurch shooter to see if he actually had a father, but um, I know I know there's there's other men who who do these these kinds of atrocities who who don't have those figures in their lives or who do not at least have a good one good positive male role model. Um, not that that fixes it though, right? Because how much of this is just evil? Um, significant portion, I'm sure. And yet that, right, thoughts and prayers are good. They also need to be followed up with some good, purposeful action to, well, to at the very least fail at trying to fix the problem, right? If, if we try to fix the problem and we fail miserably, okay, that's fine. But simply saying, well, I hope that they fix it over there and that their, their lives get resolved is not sufficient. Perhaps part of the, the solution is to find, find that guy who might be a little bit weird. Um, find that guy who's a little bit, frankly, a little bit unhinged, it seems, or, or, or who, do, who has a hard time maybe expressing himself. And find a way to talk to him. Find, find a way to listen to him. You have no idea how much good it can do. Um, frankly, anybody who's listening at this point, you're doing that good right now. I've, I fully acknowledge that I've, I've had my, my struggles with myself. Um, this is why I know it's not just having a good father figure. I know if I did not have my father with me, I, I, I would have been a, in a very, very difficult, different place. Um, and it would not have been better. My, my, my father is, is one of the reasons I'm, I'm still here. But the other, the other part of it is that there's, there's other problems in the light, in my, in, in life that, that arise and, and if you don't have someone who's willing to willing to talk to you in a, in in the language you understand or willing to listen to you ramble and rant and express an understanding of what you're saying if you don't have someone like that all you do is you stew on it you it, it boils in you and and you know resentment builds but resentment that cannot that isn't that isn't followed up with action because you know at the very at your very core you know I'm not supposed to do this action I'm not supposed to to, to to cross this line because there are moral boundaries that you've been taught and you still have that and yet the resentment builds and if you ever do cross that line right or if or if you get close to that line all of that resentment begins to boil up all of that anger all of that 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 angst begins to boil up and it puts you in a very difficult position, but it also puts you in a position to be as honest and clear as possible because you want to see if anyone's going to pull you back. You want to see if anybody, if anybody actually has the right diagnosis, if they'll challenge you on whether you're right or wrong. And, they need, and, and, and this person, like they, they need you to confront them in a way they understand. And that's not... You know, and so here's 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 the ultimate piece of this, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna disassociate from myself for a little while and talk about um, what this made me think about in terms of hmm, buzzword mission, mission for the church, right? Or more accurately, um, preaching, right? Sharing the gospel, sharing it with with other people, outreach to how do we how do i outreach to arthur fleck 
how do I outreach to um, Tyler Durden from Fight Club? How do I reach out and, and actually give him the gospel and, and, and give it to him in such a way that he does not reject it out of hand, but it actually, it actually sticks. And, and what I mean by that is not, how do I twist the gospel to, to try and use it best? No, what I mean by that is, how do I provide it to him in, in using his language, right? Because English is, 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 English is dumb. English is dumb because, it, one, it changes so frequently. And two, it, because it is so universal, it has so many connotations. It has so many, you know, sub-dialects and, and lingo and, and context is so important. But the problem that, of, of English, it especially comes in when you tie it with postmodern ideology, which declares that each person's truth is their own, meaning each person can define the words in the way they see fit. And, and, and can think of things in the way that fits to them, right? They can, they can try and, and be their own uh, agent for shaping their worldview. And the, the truth is, what do you get there? You get chaos. You get, right, what actually shapes you is the world and the devil and your own sinful flesh. So if we're dealing with people whose, whose entire language, right, who, the way they talk is shaped by this, are they outside the reach of the gospel? No, they're not. No, they're not. In fact, they need it more than, more than almost anyone else. Why? Because these are the people who can cause massive amounts of damage. And they know it. Right? The, the character of Arthur Fleck knows that he could, could be brutal and, 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 and dangerous. He knows it in his heart and he expresses that when he gets on the on the talk show right tyler durden's character right in, in fight club is is a man who knows the danger that he he is and he revels in it and i'm saying people who are who have some of that mindset are not outside of the gospel and we need to preach it to them too and these are young men these are young men. This is what they need, right? This is what, especially in our bloody postmodern world that doesn't give them any other foundation. They want a foundation. We want a foundation. We want something to trust in. But what we don't want is, is a bunch of, you know, fuddy-duddies talking about love or a bunch of phony people talking, trying to be friendly with one another. Right? What we don't want is to sit and try and talk about feelings or the, you know, somebody's grandkids. There are some people in our world don't like that. All right? I mean, I, 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 I have a hard time believing that, that I have to say that. And some part of me is wondering if I should have saved that for a, a different episode so that more people would hear it. But, but it's true. Because it's true. Because... Not everybody wants to be in your little little social club. Not everybody wants to sit and chat about inanities or what we perceive as inanities. Sometimes we want to talk about the things that matter to us because we don't have any other environment in which to do that and we know that we need to talk about it because otherwise it stews. Maybe that's the reason that somebody's bringing up some awkward conversation. The, maybe the reason you feel uncomfortable is because you haven't confronted it or maybe the reason is you have confronted it and you feel awkward because we haven't. But it's a cry for help, for pity's sake. Confront me. Challenge me. Talk to me. Help me out with this. There's a lot of guys who are like that. And I don't know where on that spectrum I am myself, right? I, I, I tend to believe that where I'm at is I want to, to show others that, that men like that exist. And if I have to be the example for that, because I've already gone through it, and I, you know, maybe it is that I'm continuing to go through it, but, but ideally, for me, I've gone through that, and I recognize my foundations. And it is beautiful and is awesome because, because that's what the gospel provides. And it's not just any old foundation, it's the truth. And it's beautiful. You know, heaven and earth can pass away, but those words shall not, these words, you know, 
Christ has died. Now, as the son, the, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know, as in Adam all dies, even so in Christ all have been made alive. That's that is moving. There's there's there is great truth in that, and there's great comfort in in the idea. You know, that though I shall die, yet I shall live. You know, in my flesh I shall see God. That, you know, we put on the armor of God and we go to war. That we are now at war. And this is, this is what they see. This is what these, bo- these men see. They see a war every day of their lives. And they keep their mouths shut because they're not winning it. Because they're behind enemy lines. And they do not feel comfortable sticking their head out of the foxhole knowing that there's a somebody who's going to try and snipe them down. Why? Because, in part, their armor sucks. Right? They know that if they stand out there, they'll get shot down. And they don't know if they'll be able to survive that. And they do not, and here's the other thing, they are deathly afraid of turning into, like, the, uh, basically like a suicide bomber. Right? There's a, that's, that's the line they don't want to cross. Where, right, in the image, right, in the, in the metaphor, you're, you're at war. You're in your foxhole, and you just say, all right, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out, guns blazing, and it doesn't matter, you know, and, and in, your, in your head, it's the, the picture of somebody who comes out of the hole, and, and he's taking the bullets, and yet he's, he's taking his enemies down with him, right? That's what, that's what these, these psychos are doing. That's what the people who kill people are doing. That's what the, the, the men who are disconnecting from society are, are, are hiding in the foxholes and, and creating communities in the foxholes, and they're feeling very happy in these little foxholes now. And if you come back and you, 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 you denigrate them for being there, right? If you come and interrupt their foxhole and you try and, you try and enter it on your terms, you're going to have a bad time. And they're going to have a bad time. And they're going to think of you as the enemy. And if you just say, well, that's just them being, being the world. No. Because, because there are ways of approaching them that... Do not require a. Um, they don't. They don't need the, that other culture. They don't need the, the culture that the that the people in the church have now, right? That actually approaches them using the words and the language they understand, and provides them the thing that they've been desperately looking for. Whether they they whether you know whether faith comes in their hearts or not is 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 outside of my control. But what I can do. What I can do is I can stick my head out of the foxhole and ask people to shoot at me. Because it has, just so happens that I have a fantastic set of armor. Right? I have, I have the best armor that ever could exist. Right? This is, the, you know, Ephesians chapter 6, you know, the armor of God. That this, this defense, this foundation is so strong that the gates of hell shall not prevail over it. And when when you do that with these kind of guys, when you show them that it's okay to stick your head out of the foxhole, or even it's okay to be in the foxhole, but there are thing there are there are other things in life. And there are other people in life who who see the world the way you see the world and who can interact with you the way that you 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 want to be interacted with. Maybe, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll be more interested in listening. Guys like Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Guys, guys like Arthur Fleck. If you go up to them and you say, Jesus loves you, they won't listen. Partially because, one, they don't know you and they don't trust you. They have no reason to trust you. Why? Because every figure in their life is someone they can't trust. And the other thing is they don't know what love is. They have, no, they have no concept anymore of what love is. They have no concept of what a good father is. So what does that actually mean? What is that? That means if you just go up to them and tell them, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you. It doesn't register with them because those words don't register. And there may have been a generation that that works for, and there may still be a culture that that alone is sufficient for. But I, I would argue 
that there are a a lot of young men, a lot of young people who need us to speak their language, to speak real truth in the words they understand. And those words can be found in the scriptures. They need, we need not abandon the scriptures to use, to find those words, right? They're in there. And the, the, the way of approaching the, these people, the way they're approaching these people may not be, right? We may need to, to do that within our vocations and find out how to do that. But the words are there. We just have to open our eyes again. We have to, we have to look back at what is there and realize what we've not been looking at because it doesn't fit in with our predispositions on how we should approach people, on what kind of people are good and what kind of people are, oh, there's just them. We need, to, we need to question what we've been taking for granted and maybe go back to what is eternally true because maybe that's what these guys need to hear. Maybe what they want, maybe what they want is a group of people who, when you laugh at them, when you mock them, when you say, oh, look, they're so out of touch because they chant, because they still sing. They sing old in an old form, in an old way, and they're all kind of out of tune, and, and they're all, oh, look at y'all, you're so weird. Maybe they, w- w- they want to see a group of people who, when, uh, when mocked in that way, say, yes, we are. Do you want to come join us? Instead of saying, yes, we are, but we also are this cool thing, so do, like, do you want to come in for this cool thing? They say, no, we are, we are really uncool, but we don't care about being cool. Yes, we're in a foxhole. Yes, we're sticking our heads up. Yes, they're firing bullets at us. Tough. This foundation will not move. Why? Because then if you're in the foxhole, where are you going to run for? You're going to run for that church. If you're out on the battlefield, you're going to run for that church. If you know that the, that the bombs, when the bombs drop, it won't level that church. Right? I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're on a battlefield and there's a place where you can go, where you've got a bunch of allies on the battle, in your battlefield, right? You're at war. You see a bunch of allies are all, you know, in, available in this place. And nothing that the, other, that the enemy throws at it is, is going gonna, is gonna to overturn that place. You're going to run away from that place, right? And then what you see is a bunch of people running out of that place so they can bring you in. Right? Coming out there and, 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 and reaching out to you and pulling you up because you're wounded and, and they're dragging you along back to this place. They're coming out into the muck and into the mire, seeing where you are and saying, hey, do you want to come with me? I'm heading back. Right? We get that. We get that opportunity every single day to go out onto the battlefield, armed with nothing but the word of God, to go and talk to people, to go and give them real truth, to go and hear their honest questions, to listen to these people who, who do not want to be in our social clubs but desperately want truth. And we can give it to them. We can say, not just Jesus loves you, but you are a sinner. You are guilty. I, I am a sinner. I am guilty. And yet, God, who created heaven and earth, against whom you and I have rebelled, has nonetheless taken the punishment for those. And he's gone to slay the dragon to which we pledged our fealty. And in slaying that dragon, he's freed us from the chains and the dragon's bleeding out right now and he's writhing around desperately. But you're, you're no longer in servitude. And, and, and not just that, but, but, but God who did that, who came into our, he, he, did, he did so by coming into our own flesh, taking it on, by being a man. Oh, that is such glorious words. God w- is a man. God the Son is a human man like me. He's my brother. And he died because I was in the line of fire. I was on the chopping block. 
my head was there. And he died to, to take that for me. Right? That's all there in Scripture. Because, but, 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 the, but the, the difference is, right? And, and yes, when you say Jesus loves you and died for you, that's what you mean. But that's not what they hear. They don't hear all of that. And, may, and, and those exact words may not be the exact words that everyone needs to hear. But they need to, they, we have to explain ourselves. And we can't explain ourselves in objective terms. We need to explain ourselves in the words they understand. And that's hard. I grant that. But it's what, these, it's what we need to do. It's what we are obliged to do. It's what we're called to do. We are not called to be comfortable. We're not called to be comfortable with the people at church, with, with the things at church. What we're called to do is to be at church, to hear the word, and receive the gifts of God in our midst of God dwelling with us, of God serving us, of him providing for our every need. Do you think that maybe if we talked about that, people like people who who feel like they have no hope might actually listen. And when they don't, okay, fine. Very well. That is the way of the world is to ignore. It's it's not to listen to these things, right? Their their ways are God's ways are not our ways. Right? Our ways are not his ways. The world's ways are not God's ways. Yes, we're not guaranteed to be reaching people. But, but, if we just talk to them as though they need to be a part of our sappy club, it ain't going to cut it. And if instead we talk to them in the, in the words they need to hear, in the way that they are used to hearing things, they may actually listen. So, so what does this mean for me then? Right? What does this mean for me after watching this, this and, and you know, what, am I, what is my approach, right? Well, I would say this means to me, I want to make sure that, that people who don't watch this film, people who don't feel comfortable going out into that muck and seeing that, that they are at least equipped to talk to that man. That they at least understand the approach that, 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 that the approach you take for him is different. How do I do that? Maybe part of it is by being him as best I can, by representing who he, who he is to them and forcing them to confront me. And by confronting me, maybe they will confront him. Maybe they'll actually see him because they'll see a lost and, 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 and wandering young man, and they'll know the words that that young man wants to be speaking. And maybe they'll fill in the gap because, you know, frankly, I don't know how to do that. But, but I want to I wanna provide that. I want to provide the voice of, of, a, of a lost person who nonetheless is, is founded in Christ. And I want to help you, listener, if you if you don't understand that that piece of it if you haven't if you haven't suffered in that way or if you haven't if you have suffered and you see these people and you don't know how to talk to them i want to help you get to that to that point i want to help you by 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 asking you if if you had to talk to me about about this stuff would you feel comfortable would you feel comfortable talking to me if, if I was like Arthur. And that, that doesn't mean that you, you need to talk to him or that you should feel comfortable with that, right? Perhaps that's not your calling. But I will leave that up to you to, to decide if perhaps the way that we think about our own, our own experiences and the way that we talk about our own experiences Maybe that matters. And maybe having a, a loving, a truly loving approach to these people is going to make us a little uncomfortable. And perhaps it'll be, well, a little bit strange 
but but as far as I can tell, I've never I've never tried it. But I get the feeling that when Jesus says, you know, take up your cross and follow me, he wasn't implying that that would be comfortable. He was implying that it would cost us everything. And in a world where where life where life is not the most valuable commodity, but comfort instead, right? Comfort is the most prized possession. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to get comfortable sacrificing in love for our neighbors who are suffering. (sighs) Thanks for uh, listening to those of you who got this far. And I'll talk to you next time.